TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is where her apartment was located. She on the on, left or on the she right? She was on the top floor on the right, at the right side. That was hers so up top there, line. yes. Her car was there, her keys were there. I mean, I immediately thought, like, something was wrong. I felt it that day when I called her in that morning. She she got the ball rolling so fast. Why she contacted us so fast, she knew there, there was something wrong. It was just like, this is not her. She didn't show up. She always shows up. She took the day off from work to be with her daughter. So. This is not her. And her never showing up and being two hours late without a phone, any phone contact, that was, that was a problem. Hello, Detective Chuck Dobby from the Gloss Township Police Department. We need your help in solving the suspicious unsolved death of Carol Wife in June of 2013. From KYW. In Philadelphia. 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 She was just so kind. She was so kind and, like, she did so much for, like, people who didn't necessarily, you know, do in return for her. And she just had this mindset that, like... She's just gonna keep giving, and eventually she would, you know, she would get she would get it all back. She she was very friendly. She would talk to anybody. She would speak with her neighbors. A lot of the interviews that we conducted, you know, people just saw her, you know, jogging through the apartment complex. Uh, my mom and I were really close. I'm an only child now. I had a sister who passed away, also, and so, um, you know, it's strange. I kind of feel like I'm the only one left. <laughs> These are true stories about unsolved crimes. But you entertain all these ideas when you don't know. That word closure doesn't really mean anything to me because I'll never have my mom back. You know, I. That's really all that I want. Like, do I want to punish someone for what they did? Not as much as I want my mom back. I'm Kristen Johansson. I'm Tom Rickert. This is Gone Cold. I haven't really been very angry until I think this year. Been very, um, I guess, sympathetic. I feel like someone who could hurt my mom because she was this like teeny little wisp of a woman, <laughs> and she was just kind to a fault. Um, has to have like had led a terrible life in order to do something like that. So I've been very sympathetic to this person. And now I'm just, I don't know, I kind of, I'm, I, feel, I feel that way still, but I'm angry for what we've lost. This is Dawn Centeni. And then can you just tell me who you are? 
I am, I am the daughter of Carol Reif. We met Dawn at her home at the Jersey Shore along with her husband. Yep, my name is Louis Centeni, L-O-U-I-S-C-E-N-T-A-N-N-I. I'm Dawn's husband and Carol Reif was my mother-in-law. The four of us sat down at their dining room table and they told us about Carol. She was really loving. She would call me every New Year's Eve on the dot of it turning to the new year to tell me like how much she loved me every year. And I was like, all right, here comes the call. <laughs> like, didn't matter what we were doing, where we were. And she just was like, I don't know, both of my parents were like this gushy love, you know, people like hold your hand and, you know, hugs and, you know, she just, she just, she was very loving. And I think she wanted that back. You know, she just wanted to find someone who, who loved her the same way. Dawn and Lou say they vividly remember the day Carol went missing back in June of 2013. She, we had made a plan for her to come down and hang at the beach with the kids, uh, and she took the day off of work. It was Thursday, June 20th. Dawn spoke with her mom on the phone for the last time. Said, you know, I'll talk to you in the morning. I'm going to take this yoga class, and then, you know, I'll see you after. The next day, Friday, the 21st. I, I sent her a message before I went into yoga. Hey, going into yoga, and you know, I'll talk to you after. I think it was like a 7:30 class. And when I came out, she still hadn't responded, and I thought, oh, that's really odd. Carol was an avid runner. Dawn thought maybe her mom went for a quick jog before driving to the beach that day. I gave it a little time and got home. We packed up stuff and, you know, I had caught, then I called her and it went right to voicemail. Well, I called her previous to this too. And it went to voicemail and I thought, well, this is really odd. So, I mean, it was like 10 o'clock and I'm like, this is off. This is not her. And then we were right. Her daughter was adamant that... My mom always texts me when she's leaving and when she's coming to meet me uh, because she lives quite a distance away. Good. Yeah, sounds good. Do you want me to start? Yes. We'll start first with your name, your title. I'm Detective Michael Leach. I've been with Gloucester Township Police Department for 16 years, and I've been in the criminal investigation unit for over five years. And you're M-I-C-H? A-E-L. And then? L-E-A-C-H. L-E-A-C-H. Yes. The initial detective that was working on this case, he retired. So um, this case was turned over to me. And um, I'm also working on it with the assistance of the Camden County Prosecutor's Office. Dawn hadn't heard from her mom by that afternoon, which she says was really odd because they spoke several times a day. Uh, she calls and says, you know, if she's going to be late, she would definitely call. And now that two hours passed from the time that she was supposed to be there at her house, her daughter became concerned, and that's when she contacted us. I know she was like 59, but she lived a life like she was like 39. Like she was like single and always out with friends. And so like her phone not being on was not something I had experienced. By Friday afternoon, Dawn had been calling and texting her mom all morning. Nothing. And by this point... Dawn knew something was very wrong. The relationship we had was, we just knew each other. Like, our lives were so entwined. Like, she went on our vacations with us. Like, you know, she was just such a part of our lives. And so it was just like, this is not her. This is not her. 
I mean, I don't know. I hoped, but it was it was off. It was definitely off. Dawn jumped into the car with her husband, Lou, and they called the police. Your, your dad came, right, because he was in town. Yeah, he came down and got the kids. They, were, they had been divorced, so he was on his own. He, he happened to be in town. So he came to the beach and stayed there with the kids, and we took off. And by 3 o'clock or so, 3, 4 o'clock, we were, we were there in the apartment. Um, usually when someone calls up, it's a check to welfare. It's um, something happened. Um, we, we get the calls all the time. And in most cases, um, we usually locate the person. They, they went out to the store. They forgot they were supposed to meet somebody. Um, I think at first they thought, like, she had wandered off or, like, she was sick and was, they, you know, maybe she was at a hospital and so... It wasn't even 24 hours. So I guess, you know, initially they, that's what they... I don't know, miss, I mean, missing for four days. Like, you, if that's not a normal situation... No. Township, we, we, right, we usually have cases where we would take a missing persons report for someone that's been missing two, three, four times. And they'd be been returned. They would return after three or four days or they got in an argument with their spouse. Um, this was a case where she was she was never missing before. Um, her daughter said she was very punctual. She was extremely punctual. That if she was going to be five minutes late, she would call. You know, um, that's why she she got the ball rolling so fast. Why she contacted us so fast? She knew there there was something wrong. She didn't show up. She always shows up. She took the day off from work to be with her daughter. So. And, her never showing up and being two hours late without a phone, any phone contact, that was that was a problem. It takes about an hour to drive from Dawn's house to where her mom lived, a big apartment complex in Gloucester Township, New Jersey. It's right off the Atlantic City Expressway, the main artery to and from the shore. Right, so we just pulled up to this apartment complex where Carol lived and ran around. It's huge. Beautiful, though. Yeah. There's a pretty big lake there. Are those swans in there? Uh, yeah. They had, um, they had two swans last I, last I saw. They, they bought them and they put them in there. So, do you know Carol would, like, come down this way and start running, or...? She ran throughout the whole complex. She didn't have any one specific area that she would run in. She would just, from from the information that we received from um, uh, the other people that lived in the apartment complex, they, they would see her all over the place. So it's not like she took one trail and she ran, um, you know, one bike path or anything like that. I think that we think that she just, when she went out for a run, she decided where she was going to run at that day, you know. But we believe she stayed in the the apartment complex. There's an emergency access road, really more like a paved alleyway, that weaves through the complex. It's right next to the pond. It's wide enough for a car or truck or something. It's secluded, surrounded by woods. But there is a walking bridge that crosses a stream close by. This is is where her apartment was located. On the left or on the right? She was on the top floor on the right. The right side, that was hers so up top there. One. Yes. So. Um, so it's not like an easy. I mean, it's not like an easy access apartment because it's on the top floor on the right. Correct. Yeah, and and like I said, everything was secure. Windows were secure. Um, there was no signs of any fourth century. Um, 
that's why we uh, we started interviewing people in the building. Did you see anybody around back? Did you did you see anybody knocking on our door? Um, and you can see the wooded area behind our apartment. There's a stream that leads to the lake. Um, it's heavily wooded. And in June, it's 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 pretty built up. Gloucester Township Police went over to Carol's apartment. It's about a 10-minute drive from headquarters. We responded out to the residents, um, so our car was there. What kind of car did she have? She had a Hyundai Tiburon. It was like a new, fancy, sporty what color. <laughs> it was black. <laughs> well, it had like the back spoiler. She always had like this. Well, it was the GT Sport model, so it had a V6 in it. So it's a tiny little sports car. With a, with a you know, pretty big engine, which is funny for her. It was parked um, in a parking lot. Officers climbed the stairs to her third floor apartment. They knocked, no answer. There's no signs of any force entry. Um, everything was secured, windows were secured, locked, um, door was secured, locked. Um, no one was home. We had maintenance uh, respond so we could check the interior to make sure she was okay. We thought maybe maybe she, she had fallen or something like that where she couldn't contact anybody. Or reach the phone. Maintenance workers had a key to Carol's apartment and they let the police in. Miss Rife's daughter arrived at the apartment complex. She drove up. They wanted us to like kind of go in the apartment and look around and see what if we thought anything was off. She was meticulous and one of the things that the police said to me was that when they went into her apartment it it was they thought it was evident that no one had been there because of how clean her apartment was. But that was her. Like, she was just, like, she had a spot for her shoes. She had a spot for her keys. Like, and so when we, when I got there, I knew immediately what wasn't right. Coming up, what they found inside Carol's apartment. We officially reported her missing at that time. And the three longest days of Dawn's life. Welcome back to Gone Cold. Gloucester Township Police searched Carol's apartment. We, we gained access to the inside of her, of her apartment. Everything appeared secured, normal, you know, it was clean. But Dawn wasn't so sure. Her keys were there inside the apartment, and her running shoes and GPS watch were exactly where she usually left them. The bottom door locked, so you can't get back in the door once you go out of it. So if she were to go out her bottom door... Without her keys, how is she going to get back in? If she had left, there her shoes would have gone with her, her keys would have gone with her. Um, so I'm convinced that whatever happened to her happened to her in her apartment. And the person who did this, like, removed her from the apartment. Dawn says her mom had a purplish satchel-style bag and a pink cell phone and case. Both were gone. Um, she did have a, a pink like life proof case on her phone. You know that light pink one that they came out with like however many years ago. So at first we were like, well, if, if there, cause there's that lake there that's called Lakeview Apartments. We thought, well, if someone threw it into the lake, you know, we'd still find it. And so yeah, we, we asked them, that. like we pushed them to, to send in a diver to check the lake. But um, I don't know, due to like 
the felt like a growth and a um, yeah, it wasn't safe because there's too much stuff in there for the divers to go in and they never did it. Parts and all the yeah. Yeah. That they told us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they said which that was frustrating from our angle because because of that life proof case that they're supposed to be waterproof and the lake isn't that deep so there wouldn't be that much pressure on it. That phone could have easily been retrieved, charged back up, even if they found it a month later. And I bet you it would have fired right up I, and they could have gotten information. I don't think it's there, though. And talk about, like, the, cell, well, two things, the cell phone records, but then also credit card, like, were any credit cards ever used? Was any money taken? Nothing, account? nothing. There was no activity on her credit cards whatsoever between Thursday and, and the, the, the day she was reported missing. There was nothing. Her cell phone never left the area. The GPS showed that she, when she returned home on Thursday on the 20th of June, it was powered on. It was still in the on position until about 6.15 Friday morning where it, pow it powered off, but it was still in the same area of her apartment complex. It still pinged off the same towers. Let me ask you that. So when you're saying power off, it wasn't something where your phone just dies? Could be. Okay. It's, it's the last signal. It's the last down. signal that oh, the self you. that it hit the cell cell phone tower hit. Okay. okay. I got you. That was it. So whether it was powered off by someone, or whether that the phone died, or whether it was thrown in water and you know um, the phone died that way, it could have been it, it could have been any a number of reasons why it was powered, but it was never powered back on after that. What they told us is a lot of data was used up in the amount of time between, like, her last message, which was, I don't, I don't know the exact time of what her last message out was, like 10 o'clock or whatever, until the morning they said there was a lot of data used up. But you never know, like, if you have things running in the background or, or you know, what the cause was. But it makes sense that it fits along a timeline of, like, when they pick the garbage up. <laughs> so I, I personally feel like the person knew they disposed of her purse and her phone, which, you know, could lead back to them, or they were, you know, nervous about it or whatever, and then that's where they would put it. That night, Dawn and Lou stayed in Carol's apartment. Mm -hmm. You didn't know what happened at that point, right? No. What's going through your head? Everything. It was the small thing she noticed. And what was anything off at all? Well, there, there was a beer cup, one or two beer bottles in the there sink. There was a beer bottle, beer bottle in, the in the sink. sink. One beer bottle? Yeah. That yeah. was, um... Is that normal for your mom? Well, it, it's, it's not that she would have the beer bottle in her house, but in her sink. Like, she would have put it in the recycling because she was so, um, methodical. About like she, the way she did yeah, things, you know. Maybe I mean, put it in the I could, it yeah. And, and okay. she had bought a six pack with her friend Nicole like a week before, okay. and so they had each had a beer. There was still a beer in her fridge mm -hmm. uh, from the six pack, and then you know there may have, she may have had another beer at some point, like, and so then there was this one, and that made up the six pack, and so. Her friend Nicole had like broken it all down yeah. because she knew my mom well too. Like you know, yeah. she was very, um, like I said, she was very methodical in her habits. So the beer just you know was like off to me, just like some little off thing. I think it was really helpful that we knew like that I was so close to her because I, 
I mean, I really feel like we, I walked in and I, and I could see, okay, her shoes are there. Like, all right, why are her shoes there? But no one else would know that she always put her shoes there. Like, or no one else would know that she always put her keys where she put them. And that was uh, the other thing is just that, like, her purse was not found. And so, I mean, it's my opinion, but I feel like that whoever did it knew that, you know, that they could dispose of it where they did and that it would be taken care of and never be found again. And that night when they stayed over, Dawn found something else. When they asked us to stay, of course, we went around the apartment looking for things that were off. And one of the things that we found that was off was that her bed was made, but it was wet, like in a certain area. Like, and so my mom would never have made her bed if she had spilled something on it. So I thought it was completely odd that her bed was made when it was, it was like over a, top of the of the wet. The yeah, what we did is like because we were going through our apartment and we thinking of things, we pulled night, the just, thing down, and I just kind of I guess I was just like yeah, leaning on it. I was looking for like I don't know like hair or yes. something. You know, not to be morbid, but like, you know, semen or like some kind of stain. And I I put my hand down and I was like, ew, this is wet. And and so, you know, in my head, I I thought, okay, well, someone, you know, put a pillow over her face, raped her, whatever they did. And then she peed herself because she was scared. On the bed, they made the bed. And then, you know, so I pretty much had come up with this scenario from you know, putting the pieces together of what we knew and what we saw, because that's what made sense to me. She would make her bed if it was like, I mean, she would, she would immediately have washed, dried, folded, remade the bed. Um, she would, so it just was odd. While Dawn and Lou were in the apartment, detectives scoured the neighborhood, knocking on doors, talking to people passing by and interviewing neighbors. Did you see anybody around back? Did you, did you see anybody knocking on her door? Um, checking the bike paths, checking the woods that are directly behind her apartment, seeing if maybe maybe she fell, broke an ankle or something like that, or, or, or needed medical assistance, and, and maybe we couldn't, you know, nobody could hear her screaming for help or whatever. Every possibility. I mean, I certainly, like, at that point thought that she was alive. Our, you know, my hope was prevailing over my fear at that point. We, we started from behind her apartment complex, and um, we, we went both sides. We went, you know, we went to the east side and uh, checked the wooded area all the way up to the road. Um, and then we, we checked the stream side. It take, took us all the way to the lake, and we checked around the lake. But at the same time, we, you know, we were prepared for the worst. We, we walked around that complex looking in the woods. Even whether we were trying to attempt to locate her or, or anything suspicious or... Um, her purse, her cell phone, we, we did a thorough check of the area, that's for sure. You know, they brought the dogs out, did searches, um, just asked us a lot of questions repeatedly, and we looked on foot. So the next couple of days, we kind of like, we stayed in her apartment. And um, we observed, like, the surroundings, you know, who was, like, lingering around. One of the things we noticed is that the guy below her 
had this like ornate garden and he had this guy show up in the m middle of the night like looked like some kind of drug deal the guy was like super shady who showed up he had like this white ford ex explorer and drove behind the complex like there's a walking path he like the guy handed him a pack of cigarettes and it, it looked to us like an exchange and we were all like yeah. <laughs> in the window like trying to like eavesdrop on what they were saying and then my phone rang and it was like such one of those we moments <laughs> we were so busted um but so that's what we did we spent the time like trying to observe and trying to like help Nobody came forward. There was no witnesses that said that they just seen her. The last time that she, that she was um, she was seen was uh, Thursday night, the night she arrived home from work that evening. And that was it. That was the last time somebody seen her. And so, who like what was? So she arrived home. She parked. That like someone saw her like just park or something. They they saw her park, walk in, walk into the apartment complex. Um, they they converse. Hi, how are you? And good. And and that was pretty much it. It's as if Carol just up and disappeared. When we come back, we find out what happened to Carol Wright. Welcome back to Gone Cold. So we had come home, um, I think Sunday, and they had found her, is what we were told. We walked from Carol's apartment to the shed. It feels like a hike. We're like probably, what, I would say about a quarter of a mile away. And as you can see, it's, it's just one access road from behind the apartment to right to the access road to, to 42 North. Um, this is the wooded area. That's the maintenance shed. This is the wooded area where the body was located. I, yes. Back in the middle. There behind, behind the shed there. There are woods behind where Carol used to live but as you walk to the maintenance shed, there's a clearing, and you can see a pond to your left. Okay, so we're like coming out to the shed, and it's a white shed. It has, um, I guess, a red sign on the front of it that says flammable. Yeah, this is, I believe this is probably where they store their, their chemicals. They actually um, they moved it to another location, so I believe they just used this for storage. But the body was located just, uh, just north of the shed in the wood area back here. You can see how heavily dense it is already. It's... It's not somewhere that someone would just take a jog through or even take a walk through or even even cut through from getting one to one road to the next road. As you can see how, how heavily dense it is. The police came and told us. But, I don't know, before that, I mean, we, we contacted family and friends and said, hey, you know, tried, tried to get like a story of like the, you know, rundown of what, what the events of the day had occurred. It was extremely hot. For, for it being at, towards the middle to the end of June, the temperatures were up in the 90s. Um, we also had rain showers and storms come through there. 
it didn't hamper any of the investigation. Uh, we were still out there. We were knocking on doors, and uh, we were still checking the wooded area. We believe that the body was there for four days, or close to four days. It was badly decomposed. Um, we believe it was foul play just, just for the reason how how the body got into that area. Um, it's not so, it's not somewhere that you you can run through. She was an avid runner. You don't you wouldn't run through those woods. It was so it was so dense. It was um, there was brush everywhere. Uh, the body was uh, appeared to be propped up against a tree. It's not somewhere that that she that you would go through walks walks through or, or, or somewhere that you would cut through. Um, if you wanted to go from one apartment complex to another apartment complex. With that badly decomposed body, two things. One, how did you determine it was her? And two, what what do we know from the autopsy? I'm not sure how they identified the body. I wasn't I wasn't on the on a case back then. I don't know if it was down on records. But um, right now it was undetermined. It was undetermined um, um, how she was, how she was placed, how she died. Okay, I, I really don't want to. There are several reasons a detective might want to withhold evidence or information about an active investigation. Most of them center around wanting to solve the case and successfully prosecute it without compromising it along the way. We are not going to get in the way of that. All right, we're back. Okay, um, the medical examiner's office, um, they... Um, they they listed the incident as a suspicious death. Um, the body, like I said, the body was barely decomposed, um, and that's that's where our investigation is continues from there. In the following days, weeks, and months, Dawn and her family mourned. She spent time with the prosecutor's office. Reward money was raised, and the Gloucester Township Police Department held press conference after press conference. Despite how frantic and heartbroken she was, Dawn sat in on each one of those press conferences. Harry Earl, last name is E-A-R-L-E, Chief of Police, Gloucester Township. Sergeant Eric Wren, W-R-E-N, from Camden County Prosecutor's Office. My hand again. Detective Michael Leach, L-E-A-C-H, Gloucester Township Police Department. We, uh... We wanted to just uh, talk about uh, that our community, the community in general, has just come out um, and has overwhelmed us with their, sorry, with their generosity. And we're so thankful. <laughs> you could feel the the desperation, the anguish, the, the grief in in her voice. You could see it on her face. Our colleague, Mike DiNardo, was one of the reporters who covered it back in 2013. Um, she mentioned the fact that it was it was going to be difficult. The fact that she lost the mother that she was so close with, it would be difficult if they solved the case in a day or in a year, no matter what it took for the police to solve this question in her mind as to who 
took her mother from her. She had told, like, if you had asked her who her best friend was, she would say me, her child, her daughter. And so, like, she went on a job interview, and they said, what's the best thing you ever did? I had my daughter. It was going to be difficult for her whether it was a quick resolution or whether it was one that would drag out. I feel like, you know, I've learned a lot about, like, all of the levels and all of the different stages of grief. I was out in Camden County and at the Gloucester Township Police Office, like, you know, every couple of days. And What strikes me about this case is the mystery. This has also taught us a lot about, like, the goodness in people. The 20000 that was raised for, like, the reward for her, it's not money we gave. It was money that, like, people gave. Like, some people I never even met. How much we don't know. How much we we don't know how she died. <laughs> like, people wrote me letters. Like, you know, if I needed someone to talk to, um, they had goodness, and they shared it with me. And so I'm really grateful. We don't know how her body got to that wooded area near the maintenance shed off of Route 42. She did that half marathon and she was injured, fell into my arms, and I was just like, it was just such a moment. It was her first half marathon. And she was like so proud of herself. So then Boston happened right after that, the Boston bombing. And she called me up and she's like, I'll be damned if I let them intimidate us runners. I'm signing up for this race. It was like two weeks later. She's like, I'm going to show them that they can't intimidate people with their terrorism and their violence. <laughs> and she did. She ran another half marathon two weeks later. Uh, and, and the big question, we don't know who did this. So th- there's just so much mystery about this case, so many things that we don't know. She wasn't going to let them win by showing that violence is like an answer. She was like so anti-violent and she was so gentle and peaceful that, like, I just thought, you go. Like, I was really proud of her at that moment. And it was, like, awesome. There's a Facebook page honoring Carol's memory. It's full of pictures. Carol with her running buddies, her daughter Dawn, her as a young woman. And then there's videos investigators made trying to revive public interest in the case. Right now, there's a $20,000 reward, $10,000 for credible tips, and another $10,000 if the information leads to an arrest. You can email the prosecutor's office at ccpotips at ccprosecutor.org or call Detective Leach at 856-374-5725. You can also leave an anonymous tip with the Citizens Crime Commission. Their number is 215-546-TIPS, or you can go to the Gloucester Township Police Department's anonymous web tip page, which we will post on our Facebook pages. My Facebook page is Kristen Johansson KYW, and Tom's is Tom Rickert KYW. You can follow the show on Twitter at GoneColdKYW. Gone Cold is made by Kristen and me in the KYW studios in Philadelphia. Our theme music is by Obi Daz. If you like the show and you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating and review. It goes a long way towards helping other people find the podcast. I'm Kristen Johansson. I'm Tom Rickard. Thanks for listening. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.